When traumatic accidents occur, resulting in serious injuries and permanent disfiguration, knowledgeable guidance is essential for healing and for adapting constructively to build the best possible life moving forward. This episode is a brief window into the adaption process for young victims of traumatic accidents, along with valuable user-friendly insights for fellow students and for teachers. Welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nini White, and I have been looking forward to this interview for months. Margaret Kugler, who has a master's degree in vocab- vocational rehabilitation with a credential in pupil personnel services, has been serving as the transition coordinator at Shriners Hospital for Children in Northern California for 18 years. You may never need to know about what Margaret and her extraordinarily dedicated team provide for kids who are living with the after effects of traumatic accidents. But then again, life is unpredictable. So just in case, I hope you'll place this episode in your good-to-know file. Margaret Kugler. Thank you so much for carving out time to share some of your teaching experiences. I I really want to thank you for appreciating how relevant your work is to the main focus of this, the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, Life is full of challenges and we all have to deal with them, but you have taken on what I see as an extreme challenge that of helping children who must deal with really nearly impossible and very painful challenges caused by accidents that resulted from serious physical, resulted in serious physical disfigurations and handicaps like burns, amputations, and spinal cord injuries. So the mental and emotional adjustments those children must make in order to move forward with their lives. Um, are kind of close to incomprehensible to one who has never had to face such challenges. And I imagine that one of the biggest challenges those kids must encounter is people's reactions to their altered appearance. And so I've invited you to this podcast because I'm sure many of the listeners share my concern that our words and our actions, as well as the words and actions that we guide our students to use, are never hurtful, are never insensitive, but instead are genuinely considerate and respectful. So quite honestly, and I'm going to stop talking really soon now, I'm sorry. Um, I'm feeling some uncertainty around this topic, but I know that you're going to help us grow into a more comfortable balance and what's most helpful for everyone's well-being. So my first question When children are still at the Shriners Hospital healing from their physical wounds, how does your team help those children heal mentally and emotionally? Well, as you said, if I were to do this all by myself, it would be overwhelming. But we do have a team. And the team backgrounds um, are are varied and and, um, 
very specific to um, the child's well-being, not just during the hospital stay, um, but for afterwards. And mm. so our whole focus is what is this child going to need outside of the hospital to go home? Mm. So, um, and every child is different. So that evaluation of what are the barriers to going home and if that's the emotional part of it, if it's making sure they have a way to access their home, which a lot of them don't, or they lost their home um, because of the accident. Um, so what what is the team working with, not just within the hospital, but within their community and resources to support um, their ability to go home? Beautiful. So <clears throat> the kids... Uh, who will be in the class that the injured child will be joining do best with some preparation, obviously, because I'm sure they have questions and concerns. So you go into those classes before the injured child returns to school to prepare the classmates. I'm curious, what kinds of questions or concerns are voiced by the students of the class the injured child will be returning, will be joining? Um, so just to back up a little bit, the whole time sure. that they're here in the hospital, we yeah. are working with their ability to be able to um, express their their feelings, their concerns, what are their fears about going back. So uh -huh. to work with them um, in that, but also in our classroom within the hospital, uh, they get to practice what it would be like to do things differently, to navigate with a wheelchair or maybe to write with their non-dominant hands. So they are proficient um, and self-sufficient to be able to be successful. Um, so a lot of that comes from not just, um, you know, the learning part of it, but the therapies that they're going through, the emotional support that they get through the psychologist or the child life specialists that are helping them prepare their answers um, to, to respond. Um, what happened to you or, or what, what, what is, why do you look that way or, or all those questions that can be difficult. So help them deal with it personally. So basically what I do is, um, and the, is to go to the classroom and tell them the same things. Educate their classmates. This is where they've been. Um, and this is your skin. And this is how the skin heals. And so this is what they've been going through. And normalize it. So this is our body and the way it heals. And now they're fine. They're, they, and we're asking you to be the next step in their rehabilitation and therapy and healing by welcoming them back to school. Mm -hmm. And so you touched on things. because I don't even know the right questions to ask you at this point. So thank you for backing us up. So when the kids are still with you, that have had these traumatic experiences and like you could have like kindergartens or first graders or all ages, right? All the way up to 12th grade. Correct. And so tell me, like, uh, give me a couple of examples of the younger kids and maybe the, the older kids in high school or middle kids. How, what kind of emotions are they dealing with? How hard is it for them to express their emotions? How do you guys help them, you know, name those emotions so that they, you know, have the ability to be, uh, you know, confident and in touch with themselves. Uh, so it is very age um, determined in about kindergarten to the end of first grade. 
uh, kids are very self-absorbed. They may not even notice that you look different or you have, you're wearing your hair different um, because it's all about them. But uh. so their questions are curious. They just, they notice it and, and they want a very concrete, quick answer. Uh-huh. So that's what we're going to give them. This, this is what happened. This is um, how the body heals. This is what they're doing now. And this is how you can be a friend. And this is how you can still play with them. Um, and the message across any age is this is the same child, friend, student that you had before. Nothing about that has changed except maybe the way they do things or maybe the way they look. So if you go in with that premise, nothing else has changed. So you know, if they liked baseball before, they still like baseball. So how do you get a baseball game together with someone that's in a wheelchair? And just mm-hmm. help them uh, process that and figure that out and say, oh, let, this is how I can do it. This is how I can interact with them. And then with the older kids, it's, it is a little bit more information. It is because they can understand how the body works a little bit more and the healing process or the teasing is going to be um, more prevalent at the, at the older ages. Um, so really address those directly on. Um, this is not okay to ask. This is not okay to stare. But this is how you can ask a polite question. Um, and really lay it out for them and, and make them understand that this could happen to anybody, could happen to you, could happen to someone in your family. Um, but how fortunate are we that, that your friend is back at school and uh, you can be a part of helping them heal and get better. Oh, beautiful. Um, so do your class preparations with the kids that are in the class does it seem to neutralize any tendencies to tease or, or be unkind or even be inappropriately pitying? Uh, we do address all of those. Um, and what uh, the feedback that I get from our families and, and um, kiddos afterwards is they've become the most popular one for a very, very, very long time. You know, everybody wants to be their friend. Everybody wants to be the one that helps them. Um, And so that part of the understanding is um, very positive feedback from that. And uh, so, but it also, what we say is to empower these kids. If you see someone else being unkind, if you hear things now that you know, you can educate this person and say, this is, this is my friend and uh, she's recovering from a burn injury and this is, um, let me introduce you or, or do something so that they are um, helping um, continue that communication and that neutralizing and normalizing for us. Beautiful, beautiful. And I, and I wanted to step back again too because you mentioned something about the kids while they're still at the hospital, what kinds of emotions do they need to express and what do you hear them saying? Uh, it's, it's really, of course, a lot of fear um, uh, once they get through the pain. Um, so a lot of pain, a lot of dealing with that foremost. Um, and it really, it does. It's the, this child, whoever they were before, that's the same child. So mm-hmm. someone that was very into their image self-image is going to have a hard time um, with that and the preparation before you see yourself in a mirror before you see this stuff there are staff that work with 
um, them to help them so it's not something sudden and and uh, very shocking so that they're prepared. This is this is what you have going on or this is what you're going to see and show them pictures um, gradually um, so that they, they are prepared for that. Um, a lot of support in them talking about their feelings or their fears. If And one of the things that I'm finding out is what was the classroom environment like for them before before this. So if they came from a school that was very supportive and, and the teachers are telling me, don't worry about our students, um, truly they mean that, that they know that. If it is a rougher uh, class environment, uh, then we are helping them deal with, okay, you may get this when you go back. How can we deal with it? How can you say this? Who do you go to um, when things are bad in a school environment? Um, and, and work with the teachers and the staff along those lines as well, educating them before the child comes back. It sounds like you're asking the, the child that's been injured to be proactive in coming up with some of his or her own solutions. We do. They need to start learning how to advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you want your story to be told? Um, we do tell the kids is their story and they don't have to share it if they don't want to um, and be polite and not ask. But there's still something. It could be a person in the grocery store that comes up and asks them that is a total stranger. Um, how are you going to respond to that? Then, and I'm not going to be at the grocery store to help that person understand what you went through. Um, so really help focus on. Um, what is what are the responses that are comfortable for them? Can you give us a sample of of a conversation that you have with a child getting ready for something like that? Um, so there's a lot of organizations that support um, burn survivors or spinal cord injury, and one of them. Um, is, is through the Phoenix Society Burn Association. And the it's rehearse your responses, so we practice that. But three quick questions, what happened to you? Um, I had a burn injury, but I'm better now. Thanks for asking. Uh, can we go play? So it's a real quick, you end it as quickly as the question is asked and let them know there's no more, um, no more room for open-ended questions. Uh-huh. That sounds healthy. Um, so whatever response in three short sentences um, is appropriate for them, how they want to answer it. Right. And, and teachers and school staff, maybe they have some questions when you come into the school to help the kids. They might have some questions and concerns as well. What, what have you heard? So when I first started this, doing this, um, I probably wasn't prepared for thinking of, of the adults part of, of it. Uh, um, and they, not all, but there's a lot that have um, their own fears or their, how am I going to teach this child? Um, what's, how am I going to interact with them or answer the questions of the other students and make this work? So that is part of what I do as well too, is um, to help the staff feel comfortable that this is um Nothing in your teaching day is going to have to change. There might be some things that they have to leave the classroom for, but for the most part, uh, they do not have to um, do any adaptations for this child, um, whether it's in the classroom or on the playground. If they're cleared to play, they can go play. Um, they can do sports, you know, once they're cleared medically. 
So um, it's really working with them and, and identifying with an adult, what are your fears and, and how can we help you understand so that you feel successful as a teacher as yeah. well? Right. Because uh, are there any specifics that like conversation that you could recap for us that a teacher that you've had with a teacher? Um, for the most part is the functionality. Are they going to yep. be able to write? Are they going to be able to, you know, see the, the board um, concerned about hurting themselves on the playground? Okay. What if I do, if they fall down? I see. And so my response to that is what do you do with any other child that falls down? Okay. Wow, you're strong, Margaret. <laughs> There's no wimpiness around you. I love it. So what are some of the least helpful things you've heard that kids or adults have said to children returning, you know, with these uh, situations? Um, again, that can be very individualized on, sure. um, you know, what's going to. Um, there was a principal one time that was very upset that, this student was taking the nurse's time um, to do catheterization and which is necessary um, or the child or an individual could die without it. Um, so she was upset that while um, it was taking 15 minutes of the nurse's time, there was other students that she was not able to attend to. Oh, and the principal kind of made that known to everybody. She did. She and then you know, calling the hospital, saying we're I'm I'm done supporting this procedure. Ouch. Oh. <laughs> so, oh. with uh, is like yeah, I'm I'm really sorry, but so oh. again, uh, is that a lack of understanding? Is it um, you know what what really was behind? Yeah. Um, the nurse not getting her job done. What, you know, what, what more to the story was there than really this child taking up 15 minutes of the nurse's time? Right. Because I noticed just when I heard about what you do, it's just, it, it, it's not that I wouldn't handle it, you know, properly, but I, when I think about how would I handle it, I don't have answers right at the time. So, you know, I can really feel for people who, who might panic at the thought of how is this going to work out. So that's why I really, really wanted to have you on this uh, podcast to be able to maybe help some people that, you know, have those same kinds of concerns. Even though they can trust themselves that they wouldn't say the wrong thing, but it's good to know where the pitfalls are just in case. And yes, and, and the important part of it is we're trying to normalize it because this is a normal child and they, they just had something traumatic happen to them. So what would you normally do? Um, and then we can add in, well, with this condition, um, with diabetes, you have to have an insulin shot so many times a day. So this, this is still normal for this child um, and, and help them with that. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, what are some of the most, um, I want to say, hard expanding things you've seen children or adults do that you weren't expecting and that just, wow, increased your uh, uh, faith and happiness about humankind? <laughs> uh, the support that their classmates give, um, whether it's their best friend that they've always been there, but the ones that 
I don't really know this person, but then they're going to go out of their way and they tell me I'm going to have a sleepover and invite this friend over. I want to make sure uh, that um, I include them in the game. And to see that compassion with a child or with someone that didn't know this child before, um, and you see that they've grown, that they're able to, to... um, look at their themselves and say, what do I want to do to be a better person or to help with this? Um, and we do get feedback and, and um, just a little picture and a couple of sentences and some of the feedback from the kids that, that um, I see them, you know, holding hands and looking at the sunset together because now they have a new best friend. Mm-hmm. And so those are it's like, this is, this is heartwarming to see that, they are ready to take this on and to help this child readjust back. And you can tell those kinds of stories to the kids that are, that still haven't been released from the hospital. Yes. Yes. Um, It's very normal for parents as well, because they want to protect their child. Um, And these, they, they, I'm not going back to school until this happens, or I'm not going back to school until I can walk. Um, And it's, when we try to tell them and it's a message that every, everybody that works with, with our patients says over and over again, going back to your going home, going back to school, going back to your routine, you are going to heal faster. What took weeks in the hospital at home, it will take days. And um, understanding that and getting back into the routine in the first couple of days, couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months could be difficult. But in the long term, how you are going to um, thrive and um, be be who you were meant to be and, and all of those dreams and passions that you have has not really changed. How long have you been doing this, Margaret? I have been here um, 18 years. Oh, my goodness. Oh, good. So I get to ask you, you must have seen some kids that, you know, seen some kids grow into lives that they wanted to grow into in spite of the challenges. Yes. Can you tell us anything about that? It's, it is amazing. Kids oh. that we've um, had since they were little, um, see them get married, have their own families, the jobs that they have um, gone into and what they want to, uh, how, how they're some sometimes their being here and um, going through it has led them to a path that that is remarkable. Uh, a lot go into the medical field. A lot go into uh, physical or occupational therapies. Um, a message that comes through over and over again from our older kids is, "I want to pay back. I want to. I want to help someone else that has is going through this." and help them know that they can do it. And the peers that, that we have um, that come in and talk to the kids right there are newly injured, help these kids heal much more than any of us um, professionally because they do talk at that level. Exactly. I was, that was one, going to be one more of my questions if you brought in people that have already been through your program. Yes, they, they are tremendous in being able to oh, answer those questions. And a lot of that is private. We don't know what goes on between the two of them um, sure. uh, or what their friends and the in-depth um, responses that they get. Um, but it's, you know, ours are more clinical where the, the personal aspect is um, remarkable of how that helps them heal. Uh, always, always. 
how could there be any exception to that? Of course. Exactly. Um, anything else you want to say? Um, no, I think, well, the whole aspect of um, what Shriners does is pretty remarkable. So um, I, I and, and I hear that a lot of, I don't know how you do what you do or what you do is, is phenomenal. Um, and it's not us. It really is the kids. Yeah. Uh, they they are the ones that drive it. They are the ones that show us every day um, of how resilient they are and strong. And to, just to give me that that inner feeling of look what they're going through and how successful they've been, um, what what that looks like. Sounds like you love your work. I do. It doesn't even sound like work. <laughs> <laughs> it's it sometimes doesn't feel that way it is a yep. fun place to be yeah oh that's that's wow thank you thank you in a million directions from for the kids for me for the teachers who are listening it's just really wonderful and I guess we need to know a little bit more about Shriners I mean uh, did I read in in what you sent me that kids can come from anywhere they don't have to be local um correct we'd have kids um from all over the United States, and there's other hospitals um, and other uh, healthcare centers that are Shriners. So we're kind of divided up geographically. Yes. Um, so in uh, Northern California, um, we do a lot of the Western states, Western Mexico, um, and Canada. Okay. Um, what's unique about Northern California um, Hospital is that all of the other hospitals. Uh, specialize in one of the specialties that we um, cover, which is orthopedics, um, spinal cord injury, or burns. Um, And also cleft lift and palate is in there as well, too. Sacramento um, Shriners does all of them, um, including research. So the the other hospitals that do burns don't do kids with amputations or spinal cord injuries or other orthopedic um, conditions. So we um, are considered the center of excellence here in Sacramento um, within the Shrine organization. I believe it. And I could almost imagine that when the kids, I can see maybe an advantage to be in just a place that's focused on your own challenge, but I could also see how when a kid has one kind of challenge and sees other challenges that kids are dealing with and they're all moving towards, you know, making life good in different directions, from different directions, that that gives each other energy as well. It, it truly does. And it's interesting, some kids um, with burn injuries will say, well, I'm sure glad I don't have a spinal cord injury. Oh. And the kids with the spinal oh. cord injury, I'm oh. so, so glad that I didn't get burned, you know. So they look at this, and, and um, it's a different, a different perspective that they look at um, and, and their personal uh, way of healing. Wow, I hadn't thought of that. Wow, that's really beautiful. Um, Well, Margaret, we're going to, you mentioned the Phoenix Society. I don't know about that, but I'm going to get the information for that. And if there's any other information that I should have, then I want to be able to put that in the notes, the the notes to this show. So I want to get that information from you, but I'll get that after we finish this conversation. Okay. Okay. Um, Anything else? Uh, No, I appreciate what you do as well, too. And um, helping uh, understanding and compassion 
um, to any listeners that might be out there as well. Yeah, I think we all want to grow in these areas, but we just don't know how to get the answers. And it just really makes me happy to, to try to help a little bit in that area. So thank you for saying that. Um, so I will be in touch with you very soon and get that information from okay. you. And thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you again to Margaret Kugler for telling us about the important work she and her team are doing to support kids in rebuilding their lives after traumatic ex- accidents. I hope you can appreciate how relevant our conversation is to the big picture of all that deserves to be included in the realm of students' social-emotional learning and life skills development. If you'd like to learn more about the Shriners Children's Hospitals, please go to shrinerschildrens.org. That's shrinerschildrens.org. And I've included more information in this show's notes, so be sure to uh, look that up if, if you'd like more to know more about them. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making the extra effort to continually expand your learning and understanding to benefit your students' and children's development. Until next time. <laughs>